It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Every April when Earth Day rolls around, we stop and think about the place we call home. We take time to think about the plants, the animals, the environment that we all occupy, the depths of the oceans, the peaks of the mountains, the abundance of forests. But Earth Day is also a reminder about how carelessly we can treat our planet and how we are already suffering the consequences. Kung kaya this month, we are sharing episodes, both old and new, from the different shows under Puma Podcast about our environment. Linnea Marie Cole was named after Linnea Borealis. A plant with pink and white bell-shaped flowers that often seem to droop. It's more commonly known as the twin flower and was named by the father of modern taxonomy himself, Carolus Linnaeus. Linnea Marie has just turned 18. But there were no 18 roses for her. No 18 candles. No 18 treasures. And certainly no dance with her father, under the admiring eyes of guests. Of course, it was rare to see anyone in a festive mood in 2020. For Lin Mei, who's in grade 12, the time was better spent creating a documentary about her father, Leonard Ko. It was to be his biography, from his boyhood as the science and plant-loving son of Chinese immigrants, to his adulthood as a beloved colleague, who was the most comfortable in the mountains and forests. In this special three-part series of Teka Teka by Puma Podcast, with support from Internews' Earth Journalism Network, we look at Leonard Ko's legacy. What was the impact of his research? How has the pursuit of justice for his murder gone? And a decade since, Kumustena. How are the people like Leonard, who have made it their mission to take care of Philippine biodiversity? This is the second episode of Leonard Ko, A Taxonomy of Justice. I'm your host, Trisha Aquino. I was eight years old when he died. Alam ko po na teacher siya or uh, professor sa UP. And then mahilig lang siya sa plants. And then lagi siyang wala, lagi siyang nag-feed. Mulat naman ako dun sa point na ano siya na botanist. Kaya lang po nung mga time na yun, hindi ko siya truly naiintindihan na ah, ito pala yung trabaho niya. 
So, noong time na yun, lagi na lang, laging ito yung uuwi siya. Sabihin niya sa akin, uh, alas mo na ako, alas na naman ako, ganyan, ganyan. And then, uh, sinasabihan ko siya na, Daddy, bakit ka ba laging uh, alis ng alis? Bakit ka ba laging nag-work sa labas? Pwede ka naman dito sa bahay or sa UP ka na lang. Hindi, sabi niya. Kasi anak, ito na ang napili kong trabaho. At mahal na mahal ko yung trabaho ko. Hindi ko siya pwedeng talikuran. That was Lin May. She would often accompany her father at the University of the Philippines, Diliman. And he would get so caught up in his work that they would end up sleeping over. In his free time, he would give his daughter a tour of the campus. And it was on one such tour that he told her where he wanted to be buried. Hindi ko makakalimutan talaga is yung tinuro niya sa akin po yung kung saan siya ilalagay. Which is the Dita Tree po sa may, I think before sa greenhouse po ng malapit sa UPIB, the old building. So, siguro, I don't know if nafe-film niya or something. So, noong time niya, sabi niya, sige din, yun may dito mo ako ilalagay, ganyan. Tapos sabi niya, tatandaan mo tong puno na to. Yung um, mataba po siyang puno, super taas na siguro may 50 feet or 30 feet. Then, yung leaves po niya, iba yung yung itsura. Mahaba siyang mataba na ganun. And then, very pointed yung dulo ng leaves niya. And then, ang lalaki ng trunks niya sa ilalim <laughs> And then, every twice a year, I think, or once a year, namumunga po siya ng flower. Parang white. Part of Leonard's ashes have since been placed under the native Dita tree in the UP Arboretum. Another part is in the forest plot he worked on in Palanan, Isabela. Favorite place niya din po yun. Hindi namin expect na ganun siya kakilala doon. Very sad sila nung nawala, nung nawala si Daddy kasi hindi nila in-expect. Kasi lagi po siyang nagpupunta doon. Nung time po na yun, nung nagpunta kami, pati po yung pare nung uh, simbahan nila doon, and then yung mayor, sila po lahat po nung mga tao doon, nakisama. So, trek kami hanggang doon sa tuktok ng palanan, and then sobrang hirap pa nga po kasi that time, muulan. So, parang na-amaze kami kasi ganun yung, ganun yung pagmamahal nila kay Daddy. We asked Leonard's colleague, Dr. Aloy Duya. He does research on small mammals and bats. Did Leonard have concerns about his safety? I've been with Leonard for almost, I mean, 12 years. Usually, every time na nasa fieldwork kami, ang sasabihin niya sa akin, Aloy, kunan mo ako. Gusto ko black and white. Tapos pag namatay ako, gusto ko yan ang ilagay mo. <laughs> gusto niya kasi nasa forest siya. From time to time, sinasabi niya, ang ano naman niya, he doesn't expect anything naman kasi alam naman niya yung risk. Pero, I mean, being Leonard, masyado na ano, yung ahead yung mind niya, he prepares for a lot of things. You know? Actually, most of the field biologists think of that that way. <laughs> Because, uh, yun nga, ang ano sa amin kasi, we, we know when, when we go out there, there's always that risk. So where does the danger come from? One, yun nga, uh, there, there's an existing conflict. Dr. Duya is referring to the one between the New People's Army and the Philippine government. And hindi mo naman alam talaga kung nasaan sila. Hindi mo naman ma-predict even how coordination na ginagawa mo. Still, there's still the chance na may mangyayari. 
And of course, out in the field, so you still don't know kung may typhoon, uh, landslide, and then of course, yung mga areas, accessibility ng areas. So when you're hiking, so there's chance na magkakaroon ng accident talaga. Dr. Duya himself has survived such close encounters. Like, may darating lang na from the locals, uh, kailangan yung mag-ano, baka bumisita. Biglang may sasabi ng ganun. So what we usually do, eh, alam naman namin yung SOP na yan na ano. So ang ginawa namin, binaon namin lahat ng aming gamit and we only, you know, konting gamit lang nakalabas. <laughs> Although may iba naman na, uy, pinabababa kayo kasi kinu-question ano yung ginagawa nyo dito. Kasi yung work kasi namin is very ano eh, uh, marami nagtataka kasi nga, why do you spend months out there and then when we go up, ang dami namin buong supply for a month dala namin. So ang daming nagko-question. But again, yung protocol namin is that before we go up, we announce to everyone. Kasi we sometimes alam naman namin, ah, may nakikinig dyan siguro sa tabi-tabi. So ina-announce na namin. That's why it's very important that when you go out, in, before you go out in the field, you have to have uh, a good contact with the locals. You have to clearly explain to the locals what are your intentions. Researchers know what to prepare for when they go into the field. But according to Dr. Duya, what happened to Leonard was unprecedented. His daughter, Lin Mei, was just eight when he was murdered. Sabi sa akin mama, pinatay siya. They say na napagkamalan. Then later on, na-realize namin na hindi naman talaga napagkamalan. Yung galit, kahit eight years old ko pa lang, tas malalaman mo sa, sa tao na or malalaman mo sa magulang mo na yun ang kinahantungan ng pagkamatay niya. So yung galit, hindi, hindi siya nawawala. So pagka tinatanong ako, tingin mo or anong pakaramdam ko. Kahit yung ages old sabi ko, sinasabi ko talaga sa kanila na namatay siya, namatay siya na walang kalaban-laban at hindi niya deserve yun. Parang hindi pa rin ako makapaniwala. Kasi yung through the years, hanggang sa tumanda na siya, yun na yung ginagawa niya eh. Hanggang sa, in just one snap, all of a sudden, mawawala na yun. So, parang hindi mo kasi matanggap. In the immediate aftermath of the murder, the Commission on Human Rights actively investigated the case. We talked to Attorney Twyla Rubin. I was assigned with the Legal and Investigation Office of the Commission. So in the case of Dr. Leonard Ko and his companions, during that time, sabi ng military that there was an encounter and they were caught in a crossfire. Pero doon naman sa side ni na Dr. Leonard Ko and yung sa witnesses na yung isang tao na nag-survive doon ay ang sinabi ay walang crossfire and that they were fired upon nung doon sila na nagmamarking sila ng mga kahoy doon sa forest ng Kananga. So pag ganun yung mga nangyayari, uh, part ng ginagawa ng CHR ay bumaba, mag-conduct ng investigation, nagkaroon ng fact-finding mission sa Kananga, and it was followed by public inquiries. Ibig sabihin, uh, may mas malawakan pa na pag-iimbestiga through the process of a public inquiry na pinatawag yung mga military personnel involved, pinatawag yung mga witnesses, pinatawag yung Energy Development Corporation kung saan nangyari yung sang area, protected area nangyari yung alleged encounter. We begin with a fact-finding mission. A month after the murders, Attorney Twyla, her colleagues, the police, scene of the crime operatives, and forensics experts went to the place where it all happened. 
kasama namin yung witness na nag-survive, tinuro niya kung saan yung saan sila uh, nakaposisyon dun sa site, saan nila una narinig yung, yung barilan, saan nang gagaling yung mga putok. Linat namin, tinignan uh, din namin yung uh, so, mga SOCO reports, yung kung saan, na, saan nila na-plot o saan nahulog yung mga casings ng bala. And then matagal to kasi minamatch din yung mga casings ng bala uh, in the area dun sa kung saan nanggaling siya na firearm. It also involved yung pag-surrender ng mga involved ng mga military officers ng kanilang firearms para matest at mamatch kung ito ba talaga yung mga baril na nagamit at yun yung baril din na uh, nakitaan ng casings dun sa area na yun. We asked Attorney Twyla, Is it true that the assailants shot Leonard and his companions more than 200 times? Nandun nga, more than ganun yung casings that were recovered in the area. When you say casings, ito yung mga pinutok na mga bala at yun yung nag-iwan ng casings doon sa area. At yun yung aming minamatch doon sa mga baril na sabi ng ating mga militar ay yun yung ginamit nila. At saka kung hindi ma-identify or ma-match dun sa mga baril na ginamit nila, then it could be na ito yung baril na mga na-alleged na naka-encounter nila. So, merong a total of 200 or more than 200 uh, casings that you are trying to match. And did the casings match the guns of the military? May alleged position yung military in their statements that they said na nandun lang sila sa ledge. Hindi sila bumaba. Hindi sila nagpaputok sa baba. So, ibig sabihin, kung hindi sila bumaba, lahat ng mga casing supposedly na from the military would have been nandun lang sa ledge. Kasi yung premise nga ng military is they, uh, they, there was an encounter. Sabi nila, meron silang kaputukan which is coming from the other side. So, we were expecting na lahat ng casings na magmamatch ng, ng guns ng militar would only be in the le- sa ledge. Medyo mataas siya, elevated portion. At hindi dun sa side or sa near the site where the bodies of the victims were located. We expect na yung lahat ng nasa taas na mga casings would match with the military firearms. And they did match, no? But some of the those firearms na sinurender nila, sinabi nila, ito lang yung sundalo na nasa ledge, sila lang yung nagpaputok, therefore, yung kanilang mga firearms lang yung aming surrender. But we asked them to surrender all the, the firearms of those involved. And then we matched them. So yung mga nasa taas, nakamatch na sila sa military. But we also found that there were bullets or there were casings found na nagmamatch sa firearms ng mga military na nasa baba. Ang ibig sabihin sa amin dun ay may nagpaputok pa rin na nasa baba. Na may mga casings na nasa taas na wala dun sa mga sinurender na firearms ng militar. So kaya nagkaroon subsequently ng kaso ng obstruction of justice ang military. Because we felt that they did not surrender yung mga, uh, all the firearms that were involved dun sa incident. And as for the bullets that were found in the bodies of the victims, here's what the National Bureau of Investigation and the SOCO saw, or didn't. Wala silang nakitang positive na nagmamatch dun sa military na uh, firearms dahil masyado nang deformed yung mga bullets na yun. No? Kaya hindi na, hindi na siya nakikitaan na meron siyang enough distinctive marks to match it with the firearms that were surrendered. Hindi rin siya nagbidiscount na posibleng ang bullets na yun ay nanggaling dun sa military firearms. The Commission on Human Rights found that first, 
there was no encounter between the military and the NPA when Leonard and his colleagues were killed. Second, the CHR found that Leonard and his group were fired upon by the military. Attorney Twyla says the military were liable for failing to make a distinction between its enemies and civilians. Yung sa dami ng mga bala na fired upon dun sa grupo na yun, talagang na-target sila at namatay sila kung nagkamali man sila doon ay... Uh, that's still a violation of IHL kasi hindi mo na-distinguish kung ano yung legitimate target which is kung kalaban mo saka yung sa civilian. IHL or International Humanitarian Law. We also cited proportionality like the proportion of force that you use should be proportional to the threat that you encounter and during that time wala ngang threat dun sa kanila kasi nga unarmed yung grupo no. So imposible na masabi na sila yung ay mga kalaban. The CHR recommended the filing of criminal and administrative charges against Commanding Officer Federico Tutaan and his soldiers for the killing of Leonard Co, Sofronio Cortez, and Julius Borromeo. The commission said the military violated international humanitarian law and obstructed justice. Again, the latter was because the military didn't surrender all the firearms involved in the killing. We asked Attorney Twyla, what struck her about the case that remains with her 10 years on? Yung testimonies ng dalawang nag-survive, si Balute at saka si Gibe. Policarpio Balute, a farmer, and Ronino Gibe, a forester. And how it traumatized them na uh, kasi they were able to get out of that. Diba ang daming balang nakaputok. So sa kanilang kwento, talagang nakita mo yung takot, nakita mo yung paano sila gumapang para lang makasurvive. And then yung isa na striking din sa akin ay yung how it impacted the family. It's nakakalungkot no na after all these years, hindi naman nagkulang si ang pamilya sa pag-follow up din sa municipal trial court or sa anong ahensya ng gobyerno. Pero ang bagal din talaga. And uh, pagdating dun sa mga pag-appreciate ng evidence and uh, investigation as well of the CHR, hindi rin ganun ka nakikita na nagre-reflect ito or nag-carry over into a conviction. Mrs. Glenda Ko, Leonard's wife, continues to pursue justice for him 10 years on. Here she is, speaking on his death anniversary in 2020. <laughs> Ang brutal na nangyayari na nagpatang ng parusang kamatayan sa mga insentong nilalang. In 2011, a year after Leonard's death, Mrs. Ko and her parents-in-law filed murder charges at the Department of Justice against the Army's 19th Infantry Battalion. To quote the DOJ, The widow of Dr. Ko, Mrs. Glenda F. Ko, insisted that the crime committed was murder because of respondents' admission that the victims were their intended targets, and that they, the respondents, acted with the singular purpose of killing them. 
She also pointed out contradictions in the statements of respondents as to who actually saw the suspected communist rebels and the results of ballistics examination, which show that respondents fired the victims a short distance at the lower ground. But in 2013, the DOJ dismissed the murder charges and filed lesser charges against the soldiers instead. Reckless imprudence, resulting in multiple homicide and attempted homicide. In the same resolution, the DOJ found probable cause to charge the rest of the battalion with obstruction of justice when they, quote, willfully and knowingly impeded, frustrated, or continuously delayed the prosecution of respondents, end quote. The pandemic has since delayed the trial in a late court, which Mrs. Ko travels by plane to attend. A hearing is scheduled for this month. Imagine that. Ten years after Leonard's death, his wife continues to fight for him in court. And you've heard it in Mrs. Ko and Lin May's voices, the emotional toll it takes. So what else is the cost? The longer that the case is pending, the longer that it entails cost uh, monetary sa family. Yung pag-follow up lang yun ng case, communications allowance, transportation allowance, your lawyer's fees. Kahit nasabihin natin na marami yung volunteer, your lawyers, may cost pa rin ito sa family every year that they spend. But more than also the, the economic cost of maintaining a lawsuit, especially as against the government or state forces, nandun din yung emotional and psychological cost ng case and how it is all an access to justice issue. Kasi nga, yung kalaban mo dito ay mga ano eh, agents of the state. So, during the time na napepending yung kaso, yung iba na napropromote pa, nag-a-advance kanilang position. Here is Dr. Giovanni Tapang, a convener of the Justice for Leonard Co. movement. He was speaking at Leonard's death anniversary in 2020. Tuloy natin inilaban ito. Tuloy natin kinalampagan DOJ sa buong sampung taon ay sumama tayo sa mga hearings, sa CHR, sa korte, para igiit na hindi dapat i-downgrade uh, mula sa murder ang kaso ng mga sundato. Nananawagan tayo ng justisya para kay Leonard Co. sa Fronia Cortez at Julius Corbeo. Sama-sama natin itong patuloy na ipaglaban. Huwag natin kalimutan. What we see in the case of Leonard Ko is not new. Disdain for human rights is exacerbated by flaws in the Philippine justice system. In the final episode, we talk to environmental activists and conservationists. What challenges do they face? And have things improved in the last decade? This is Leonard Ko, A Taxonomy of Justice, a three-part series of Teka Teka by Puma Podcast with support from Internews' Earth Journalism Network. This series is produced and hosted by me, Trisha Aquino, with additional research by Kat Ventura and Macy Hoven. It was edited by Carl Sayet. Subscribe to Teka Teka and Puma Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 